0: Follow us on Facebook and Open Letter.
1: But you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you'd hoped you'd never hear again. I am Dave.
0: Dave. Dave.
2: Dave. Dave.
1: Dave. 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 Yeah. Dave.
0: I'm Dave. And this is an open letter. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, It's going to be an interesting night tonight. We are going to be talking about some very topical things, as we try to do from time to time. But first, I want to introduce the team that's here today. First, we have our producer, Chad. That's me. And then I have my lovely girlfriend, Carol. Hello. And then we have the bearded one. The bearded one. That's me. That's Daniel, Daniel Coons. Thanks for being here, Daniel. No problem. So one of the things that we do in this show is we have a little segment called Off the Cuff. And during Off the Cuff, we just ask some random questions that you have not prepared for. So you can answer these and just give us an idea of who you are and what you're about. Off the Cuff. Perfect. Let's talk about what's the last concert you went to. Rend Collective. And when was this? That was this last weekend. And how was Rend Collective? It was amazing. And you took the whole family, right? I
3: did. All four kids.
0: Perfect. And so you're married, you have
3: four kids, and um, three of them are adopted? Yep. All right. is three and the youngest is bio.
2: You know what? I have a Wren Collective story related to JQ here. I was hoping you'd share that. <laughs> okay, so this is what happened. It's kind of funny because um, Ace and Jeff, they're out at a football game and they're broadcasting live and I'm here in the studio, manning the studio. Before they left, I'm in here prepping up for their show and the studio phone keeps ringing. Typically, I ignore it because what can I do? I mean, right. I don't take requests. I don't do anything like that. I just ignore it unless they tell me you should answer that. It was Rent Collective <laughs> calling in for a phone interview. <laughs> and they forgot all about oh. it. Oh. <laughs> boing,
0: boing, boing. Precisely. All right, Daniel. Another question: If you were, when you were a little guy and you were homesick, what game show would you want to have watched? What game show did you enjoy?
3: Price is Right.
0: The Price is Right. Can you give us a good Bob Barker impression? There.
3: Come on down. That was terrible.
0: Yeah, well, he wasn't actually the one who said that either. So,
3: <laughs> but
0: there it is. And there is the Price is Right music on cue, almost <laughs> as if we'd planned that, but we did not. Alright So you enjoy the Wren Collective concert now, What type of music is Wren Collective? I don't really know
3: They are A Christian I don't know, you want to
1: help me out They're Carol? Irish
3: They are Irish, they're amazing
1: They're really good
0: And one last question is Today is what I would call a secondary holiday It is St. Patrick's Day and we did have corned beef and potatoes I did at Carol's house tonight.
2: I didn't have dinner yet. Thanks, Carol. You, sh- you could have brought me some.
0: Well, she did. She has some in her pocket. <laughs> Happy
3: Persecuted Saint Day.
0: That's right. So one of the things I would ask is this. We know what the big holidays are. What's your favorite secondary holiday?
3: Secondary holiday?
0: Yeah. You know, you got. you can't say Easter or Christmas or Fourth of July or Thanksgiving. Those are like the primaries my birthday <laughs>
3: <laughs> so daniel has a little bit of an ego problem <laughs> uh our adoption day that's not a real holiday though i don't know i don't know it, well, a good question
0: yeah i thought so does it, chad do you have a favorite secondary holiday
2: um you know what i don't know for sure i do know that there is a national free donut day that's a pretty good holiday i like donuts is there a bacon day
0: there is, but there is a bacon is. day, and as well, there should be. Carol, do you have a favorite secondary holiday?
1: Mm, well, I think I like Valentine's Day now. <laughs> For a long time, I hated it, though.
0: Because before, it was, it, you know, National Single
3: Awareness Day, right?
0: <laughs> not as Not as much
3: fun. Or Happy Beheaded Saint Day.
0: Yes, that, uh, that'll that be part of my introduction if I want to introduce you in here in a second because that's my favorite Daniel Kuhn story.
2: You know, isn't that funny how we've got Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day. It's not like their birthdays. It's no. the day they died.
0: Yeah, well, not like we'd celebrate the, another day that someone died.
2: <clears throat>
0: well, Good I Friday. mean, he's important.
2: Yeah, well, and these were people
0: who <laughs> followed him. Maybe it's just a thing. It's like a thing. Like we uh, celebrate when saints die, when Jesus died. So, all right. So we are going to move on past off the cuff. Thanks for playing, everybody. No but we are going to get into the main topic tonight, which is going to be interesting. And that is going to be, we're talking about, we're not going to talk about politics a lot on this show, but just this is a really unique time. Um, in American history, of course, we have elections happening all the time in this country. You know, we're electing either congressmen or senators and certainly in the presidential election. That If you don't realize what's happening now, you're probably not listening to this podcast because you don't understand anything that's happening in the world. <laughs> you're certainly not on Facebook or watching television because this presidential, uh, we're, gonna, we're starting, we're beginning this camp, really starting the election now the whole process until November and it's going to be a wild um, nine, 10 months or so. And it's already been a little bit crazy. You have record turnouts at primaries. I think I voted in the primaries for the first time in my life because generally I'm not that it's, I'm not saying it's a great thing, but I normally am not paying much attention during the primaries. um, But I always vote for the presidential elections. So we've got a lot of anger. Carol and I were actually in Chicago on uh, Friday night when there was the the Trump rally that got uh, canceled because of all the protesters there, and it was deemed to be too uh, potentially violent of a situation. So you were there for the rally? We were not there okay. for the rally. We were there for other reasons, but uh, more just having fun. And but we found you were there out,
1: a protest?
2: No.
0: Okay. <laughs> Although we did run across a smaller protest, they were protesting the uh, was it the mayor or the governor?
1: The governor of Illinois had cut funding for several of the um, universities.
0: Right. So we came across that. We didn't know what was going on, but there's lots of people with signs actually shut down a street. But there is this whole atmosphere right now across the nation that is just charged politically. There's so much anger. There's so much happening on Facebook. So many strong opinions. So much anger Um, we felt like it would be a good time to address that in a podcast since we want to talk about the things that you guys out there are thinking about, the things that you guys are talking about, and kind of lend our own uh, perspective and our angle on this. So tonight I've invited a good friend of mine, Daniel Coons, to be on the show. And that music is in honor of Daniel. Daniel is a supreme American. When you think of a true American, you think of Daniel Coons.
2: You know, I could find hail to the chief.
0: Daniel Coons was a man. He was a real man. So he's here with us tonight. So one of my favorite Daniel Kuhn story, which I alluded to a little bit earlier, Daniel goes to the same church that I go to, Solomon's Porch in Jenison. And Daniel is a very bright guy, very passionate guy, guy who does a lot of research, who does some writing, kind of uses Facebook like I do to get people hopefully conversing and to bring up altern- alternative points of view, I guess, on Christianity. So, there's this one time, Daniel, he teaches the children uh, frequently, and on Valentine's Day, happened to be on a Sunday this year, and I was by a friend of mine, and his daughter came up, who, how old is she, Daniel?
3: Eight, nine.
0: Yeah, she's eight or nine. She comes up to her dad and says, Happy Beheaded Saints Day. And he looks at her kind of funny, and she's got this smirk on her face, and he goes, Oh, was Daniel teaching again today?
3: (laughs) So that... <laughs> Corrupting the youth for a good way. Yeah, that's right.
0: Making them think critically at a young age. Yes. It's a good thing. It is. So today, we're, Daniel's got a lot of passion about this subject, about the election. We're not a we're not going to try to tell you who we think you should vote for. Um, again, we're trying to give you kind of a, a different perspective on how we think you should look at the elections and this whole process that we're really just at the beginning of. So... One of the things we're going to start with is we need to do some definitions. So one of the interesting things at this time is we really have two different kingdoms. Daniel and I were talking about this today while watching basketball, of course. Um, we we're talking about how it seems like we really have two different kingdoms colliding at this time. And Daniel, I want you to go into kind of the, um, kind of define that and lay out some foundation for what we're going to talk about.
3: Yeah, the the kingdom of God and kingdom of man as they're often described, and we can also say it simply like the church and the state. But most basically, we have the kingdom of man or the empire or the governments that we see around the world, and they operate under a certain principle that we see. So you have people in the top who have power, who are controlling and legislating, and that is how the government of man or the kingdom of man operates. But you have other You have the kingdom of god where we are to follow god and follow jesus example and we are living in the kingdom of god and even though he is not reigning as king he did inaugurate when he walked in this earth kingdom simply means government and a simple definition of kingdom really is a government and government really just means the control and authority that is being ruled over a people or a state. So we live in that as Christians, that we are called to follow Jesus, and it operates under different principles than the empires around us or the governments around us.
0: So wait a minute. You're telling me that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of America, if you will, are not synonymous?
3: They are not synonymous. (laughs) (laughs)
0: even if you could say it correctly,
3: even if I could say it correctly.
0: So, and I say that tongue in cheek and hopefully our listeners out there are realizing that being an American is not equivalent to being a Christian or vice versa.
1: Although unfortunately a lot of people around the world have gotten that idea.
3: We, we often have painted a picture that we are God's chosen people. Like we are the new Israel that we can't support. We don't, we are not a theocracy. God is not king in that capacity, ruling over top of us in that way. He is not elected leaders. He is not we are a physical kingdom. We are physical people, a physical government.
2: I think you should clarify when you say God is not king. Yeah,
0: I think I agree. So, wait a wait, minute, wait a minute. So, the <laughs> a listener out there could be going, and we I think we have a f- pretty conservative fan base out there, a listener base. So, we might have some people going, oh, who is this guy, Daniel guy, saying God's not king? Excuse me, Daniel. Right. What, what, what do you what, mean?
3: What I mean by it, I mean, God is king, and that's the whole point of the kingdom. We do have a king who was inaugurated and crowned, and you see that throughout the Gospels, but he is not the president of... Of the United States of America he is not the reigning ruler of America he is the king of the world but we also have other forces at play in this world so definitely he is king and we do follow him as king but it doesn't mean that the governments around the world operate with him in charge
0: and if we go back to scripture and go back to the Gospels and we talk about who is the ruler of the the air in this world, we know who that is based on what Jesus himself, you know, based when he's being tempted, you know, and, you know, we know the prince, of the power of the air in this world is not God, it's Satan. And, uh, that's because we've abdicated that to him, um, not only at the garden, but continually with every choice we make to dishonor and disobey God. So we're not going to go that too much into that realm tonight, but I want to talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit, uh, I want to talk about Mr. Daniel. We are going to talk about how the kingdom of, because all of us, again, are here, are believers, and you are too, Daniel, or you you don't like that term believer,
3: do you? There's nothing wrong with the term believer. It's just you believe a Savior, but we follow a Lord. So right. It's more than just an intellectual belief.
0: So followers, followers being followers of Jesus Christ, we're all followers here. So how are these kingdoms colliding? We are citizens of both kingdoms, yes? Yes. So how and what way do you see, this is kind of starting with Daniel and then Carol and Chad, if you've got anything you want to add. So how do you see these kingdoms colliding, especially at this time?
3: Well, they clash in a lot of different ways. I mean, first and foremost, I feel like we need to address the fact that the kingdom of God and kingdom of man operate differently. They also, there's a lot of topical points that they disagree on or can disagree on.
0: Hold let me let me interrupt you here a second. So the kingdom of God, kingdom of man operate differently. Go into a little bit of that. How do you how do they operate differently in your in your viewpoint?
3: I mean the way I would see it is, and it's not necessarily bad, but the kingdom of man, the governments that we see around the world operate from a leadership position. So you have people in charge from the top moving down. And it's not bad. It's just the way they're set up. Whereas in the kingdom of God, we have Jesus, who is God himself, but he came not to conquer in a physical, normal, let's go kill all of our enemies way. He came to serve. He died. He conquered death by dying. It's an upside down kingdom. So the kingdom of God, we are to serve and love from the bottom up, like a grassroots style versus top down legislating and controlling people with power and privilege and that whole aspect. But it's not like the kingdom of man is bad. I mean, you look at Romans 12 versus Romans 13. Romans 13 shows how kingdoms of man are operating. They do bear the sword. They do put the fear into evildoers. But if we back up to Romans 12, it repeats our call to love our enemies and don't avenge, don't fight evil with evil. So Christians are called to live a certain way, but at the same time, the kingdoms of man will operate their way. So it's not like they're it's not that one is horrible, but they operate differently. We on our citizenship is to focus on following Jesus, which does clash. There are principles and concepts that we battle and debate on Facebook about, but we have to remember where our allegiance lies.
0: What are some of the dangerous areas as we get onto Facebook and we start having some of these conversations? What are some of the things that are, are troubling you a little bit that you're seeing out there right now? and I would say I'd say specifically among believers and we're gonna we're gonna reference this again later in the show but I mean there's there's some
3: things there's col- there's some collisions happening that concern us I mean most most importantly it's how we respond I mean you see so much hate and anger aggression and frustration that people are treating because they're worrying not because they're not focusing on on Jesus. Viewpoints.
0: What are the, some of the, well, we talk about the boxes, that's what we want to talk about are the different,
3: Yeah.
1: we
0: talk about how we're actually responding, I think we should define what some of the boxes are. Yep. Um, and one of them is, I'm just not going to participate at all. I'm just going to totally abstain from this because it's not my kingdom, it's not my primary kingdom, Yep. and I'm just going to not be a part of it. Daniel, we're going to reference this later in the podcast today, but... Like, give me a little bit of an example of some of the things you're seeing on Facebook that are concerning to you right now.
3: I think the number one most concerning thing on Facebook, when we get into political discussions, especially amongst Christians, is the world is watching, the world is looking. I mean, if you're open with your faith on Facebook, Facebook, and people are seeing you interact, and if you're doing so and you come off like a jerk, if not worse... What are you telling other people who aren't Christians when we don't act like Jesus but we're claiming to be? It continues the standard accusation that Christians are hypocrites.
0: And I want to do something that um, I, so, and I want each of us to take a minute to do this and think about this. Is we we also know that in our podcast here we have believe, we have people listening who are not uh, would not say they're Christians, would would say they're not followers or even believers. As believers, as followers of Christ, what would you say to someone who's listening right now who's not a Christian or professes any type of Christian faith in regards to how too many Christians are acting on social media? What would you like to say? You've got a minute here to, to address someone who might not be part of the faith.
3: Right off the bat, I would say I'm sorry. I am so sorry of how many people who claim to be Christians look nothing like Jesus. And while many Christians might not like my next comments, you as a non-Christian, feel free to call us out. Say, you claim to be a Christian, but you're not acting very much like Jesus. I agree, totally. Do you want anything you
2: want to add to that, Chad? I think we also need to watch our tone when we're debating from one Christian to another. Because it's not just one Christian. I think the world can tolerate one Christian acting like a hypocrite, but when two of them are going at each other and both are being hypocrites, that says something about the kingdom and not an individual person.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: The other thing is that when Christians are speaking to people who aren't believers about politics, they need to watch their tone as well. I have some friends that are atheists and they have been just really appalled by the way christians react to them and christians on the other hand tend to expect things of unbelievers that they have no right to expect in terms of behavior or beliefs
3: and honestly it's it's our fault we're not leading by example right i, I think we can put the whole responsibility of almost all of my atheist or agnostic friends want nothing to the faith because of how christians act Yeah, and especially in these types of forums
0: and uh, especially when it comes to politics, unfortunately. Now, I would say, too, I want to add my own thing to that is I do want to apologize. I want to jump on what you're saying, Daniel. If you are someone who doesn't consider themselves a Christian and you're put off by some of the arguing and what you would deem, rightly so, as hatred towards yourself or any type of viewpoint that doesn't, correspond with a conservative viewpoint and you've been called out and called names i apologize that is not what this our movement that's not what our uh, our faith is supposed to That does isn't it doesn't support that at all and mo- many of you know that but i just i think we all agree we're sorry if you've been treated in a way that you felt like your opinion was diminished or not valued because i actually want your opinion in this show we want your opinion We'd love for you to go to our Facebook page. We say this at the end of every show. I'll say at the end of this show. We want you to go to our Facebook page, which is called An Open Letter, and we want to hear from you because we do think your opinion matters and we want to hear your voice. So to continue the conversation of where we're going, uh, I want to talk a minute about uh, which which kingdom should have priority if, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're parts of two different kingdoms. what should, what kingdom should be our top priority?
3: I mean, fundamentally, I mean, I think it's easy for us to say, Oh, the kingdom of God. I think it gets complicated when so many Christians have equated the ways of Christianity and the ways of America.
0: Why do you think we do that? And that's a question that's open to everybody. Of course, why do you think we equate the kingdom of God with being an American?
3: I think we've, made man or made God in our own image. We, we think that we're doing the right thing and we act according to what we see. And I think we have assigned a lot of characteristics to God, but we've also forced it on to others in the government too.
2: I agree with that to some extent, but I think the, um, the background is a little bit different. I guess I would say because we've built this, this, this whole country on Christian principles, that when it comes to the point to where people are now kind of going away from the Christian principles, that we're grasping on as if to say, no, that's not how it's supposed to be.
1: I don't think you can say that the country was founded on Christian principles. Uh, The leaders were deists. They believed in God. They are God-fearing. But the behavior of those who established this country— was not Christ-like whatsoever. I mean,
2: that's not too much different than what's been going on now. But when I say that's Christian principles, I'm not talking about who they are as a person. I'm talking about the, the morals.
3: The, the one thing that I think we could say that would that kind of compromises between your both perspectives, that I, I definitely hear where you're coming from. I, know, I think I know what you're saying. I think it more accurately would say is like Judeo-Christian principles. So there right. are principles that we are— we do look, too, but we, a nation cannot be Christ-like because it can't die to itself. It can't right. love its enemies. It can't pick up its cross and follow. So we have slave ownership. We have genocide. We have a myriad of horrible things that we have in our history, but the fact is it's not unique to America. We have that in the church, too. Right. We have the Crusades. I mean, ever since Constantine in 328 or whatever it was, so the, the main
0: concept is this, is that we,
3: there have
0: been Christian principles that have helped form this nation.
3: Judeo-Christian. Judeo-Christian. It's not, it's not just
0: Christian. Judeo-Christian. And so that, a lot of those thoughts were very important to our founding fathers, but we do have a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing to say this country's founded on Christian principles by Christian men when that's not entirely accurate, but there are different views. I mean, there's people who could listen and go, I can show you da-da-da-da-da to prove, my, to prove Chad points, and there's a bunch of people who could send in information that would prove Carol's point. It's, it's, it's a contentious viewpoint right now.
3: I mean, you have tons of the founders, and we can point to, we can look at some great, more Christian quotes from these founding fathers but then you can get and dig into their lives or actions or thoughts and it's like, yeah, that wasn't exactly Christian. I mean right. you look at Thomas Jefferson, he said some amazing things, but then again, he also was a big slave voter and he also had his own Bible version that deleted all of That's the miracles right. of Jesus. He, he <laughs> cut out
0: he cut out the different uh, things in the Bible that he didn't he didn't like. He just took a scissors and literally or whatever, an erasure, and cut those out.
3: But at least he's more honest with his what he believes, whereas sometimes we as American Christians will do that, just we aren't as explicit and honest.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I don't want to get too bogged down on that point, but I think it's a good point to have. And even within the four of us, we disagree on some of this stuff. And and that's okay, and that's it kind is. of the point of this whole podcast. Uh, so anyway, continue to talk about the kingdom that should have top priority, and specifically, uh, how did Jesus respond to politics in his day?
3: Yeah. One one thing I want to add real quick before we move on to that is one aspect that I think we have to view is when we're looking at Jesus and when we call ourselves believers or followers or whatever term we want to use, one distinction I think is quite important is when we look at the New Testament, Jesus is described 24 times as savior versus almost 700 times as lord. We are called to follow him as lord, not just intellectually believe that he saved us. When Jesus walked on this earth, he was very political. He stole tons of terms. From- Wait a minute.
0: Jesus stole? Yeah, he did.
3: <laughs> Jesus stole terms from Roman Empire, Roman Empire and Sorry, emperors buddy. and he stole high priests such as God, give, us son couple, of God. Yeah, give us a couple
0: yeah give us a couple examples of things because I'm aware of I'm familiar with what yeah. you're saying but give the listeners uh, some examples on some of those very that Jesus directly took from the Roman propaganda machine
3: my, one of my favorite stories is when Jesus asks about the Denarius on the Denarius it literally said Augustus son of divine, augustus caesar he is literally claiming to be the son of god on that coin on the backside it says high priest he claims to be the prince of peace all of those terms were used by the roman empire and he is stating that he is that he is the real prince of peace he is the real high priest he is the real son of god he didn't get involved in politics he wasn't trying to tweak the civil religion he was flipping the whole system on his head by inaugurating this, the kingdom of God when he walked on this earth.
0: Absolutely. And he borrowed their terminology. Yes.
2: Not stole
3: it.
0: Yeah, we're going to say borrow because <laughs> we're more comfortable <laughs> with Jesus borrowing things instead of stealing.
2: We're okay with him forming a whip and going around and knocking down thieves' tables, but don't say he stole.
1: <laughs> he also was um, quite compliant with the rules of the day and with taxes he didn't he didn't advocate rebelling against the government that was in place yeah
3: his his rebellion looked quite a bit different it, it was a
0: subtler form of rebellion he wasn't saying hey let's go protest in front of the the roman senate right <laughs> with with signs. signs
3: no not so much america make america make uh roman but it's certainly again.
0: the one of the <laughs> make rome great again <laughs> oh boy um but one of the great things about Jesus is he he takes on our culture, and he and even then in whatever culture is because man has a tendency to set up his own kingdoms, and like you're saying, the way things are supposed to work, and then Jesus comes and his kingdom is all upside down, like Daniel's saying, and it and we have to abide by and think the way he does instead of the way tra- man traditionally thinks. So he takes on our culture just as much as he took on the Roman culture,
3: and would use their words to tweak them. Paul did the same thing he would use his Roman citizenship when it helped them out, but he wasn't it wasn't contrasting the way he was called to follow Jesus
0: right obviously, the kingdom that should be top priority if you are a follower of Jesus Christ is, is the kingdom of God is your
3: primary citizenship. We should definitely be looking like Jesus and trying to be faithful to what he called us to I mean first Peter two eleven We are called to be exiles, sojourners, even immigrants in this country. That is how we should view our citizenship here. We can impact it for good, but our citizenship is in the kingdom of God.
1: So wouldn't it just be better to avoid being involved at all in human politics and government?
3: There are Christians who have chose to do that. And honestly, I remember not that many years ago, I thought that was what I was going to do. And I, I still am wrestling with that topic. How much compromise is okay for a Christian? If neither party lines up with what I think the ideal is, should we opt out or should we try to use it as a tool, use it as a agent for good?
1: Well, and the other thing is how, how do you measure the operation of a party or the principles that they stand on?
3: Personally, I have wrestled with this for so many years, and the decision that for me personally that makes the most sense is it's not like I get the say of picking the right person and I'm the only vote. So the fact is, I don't have all these infinite options. Here are a number of candidates. I have to say who I think the best for the job is. The divide in my mind that helps me give me the possibility of voting. I have a number of months to wait until November. But right now, America is not my country. It is not my primary citizenship. The president is not my president. It is the president of America and I am, if you want to call it a secondary citizenship here. So I'll vote who I think the best of the job is, but that doesn't mean that my allegiance at all goes to that person. My allegiance is only to Jesus and the kingdom of God.
0: Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a little caveat to that because I think th- this type of talk can make people angry, which, of course, there's usually number, you know, the, the things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table, you know, politics, sex, and religion. We're not and, eating, though. <laughs> no, I know. <don't>. <laughs> I wish um, I was. But generally, yeah, me, me too. <laughs> I, I've been eating all day watching basketball. But I, I, I do want to say, too, and I think we all agree on this, there are many number of incredible blessings to live in America. We're very fortunate in many ways, and there's there that cuts both ways because, and we're not going to get into that too much, but in some ways we are incredibly fortunate to live in a country where we can have this podcast. We can talk about our religious views, and we don't have to worry about anyone pounding down the doors and arresting us. Um, so we want to acknowledge. The, the good things about being an American and being born in America and having enough food to eat and shelter and clothing and, and sustenance, all the things we need. So we're not saying America's evil or it's evil to be an American. I just wanted to say that even though there's lots of good things about being an American, it is not our primary um, citizenship.
3: And and we, can, and we can appreciate and value all those who have gone before us and served this country even if we might not completely agree with maybe thoughts or perspectives or certain situations, we have the ability to be able to say, thank you for serving this country. It doesn't mean I have to rubber stamp every single thought, decision, idea. We can still honor and respect the people behind it.
1: Leave it to me to bring up the other country thing. <laughs> I think I think there's another issue that gets involved when we talk about our citizenship being primarily in the kingdom of God, that that means that our identity as a Christ follower is more important than our identity as, a, as an American, which will affect our attitude towards people from other countries and people in other countries. Yeah. It will diminish that attitude of America is the greatest country in the world. Right. It's not a competition, and it's not a competition that we're in. We're in the kingdom of God and so our concern should be about the members of the kingdom of God, not about the government allegiance.
3: We we should we should value and we should take care of and we should look for the interests of people around the world. We have we should have as followers of Jesus have more in common with our brothers and sisters around the world than our unbeliever neighboring down the street who doesn't follow jesus but the fact is that's not that's what i was
1: trying to say (laughs) no
3: you're fine and and that's one of the things like i i know it's the normal thing that we mourn the loss of people who've died in fighting our wars and we should there's no question about that agreed but we can also mourn for the people who died on the other side it's not saying oh america's evil or america's the best we need to be the champions of the third way that is what jesus was all about
0: Right. Jesus was never about promoting an earthly or worldly empire. He wasn't then. He isn't now. Um, So let's talk about a minute. So what, how should we be responding as believers? So we have this incredibly vitriolic campaign. You get people beating each other up on both sides. There's crazy stuff on Facebook. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how should we be responding? What should that look like?
3: I mean, you think of the verse, how should Christians know us? Are we known by our love? I mean, that's the first thing. And it, it might sound cheesy or cliche, but that is what it's all about. And I think in order to handle these very divisive and hard topics with love, we have to keep in mind a few things. And the things that off the top of my head that we've have already addressed some of is we need to understand where our allegiance falls. Where Who are we loyal to. We can't be living in fear. That's another thing Jesus called us. We aren't to live in fear, but people on both sides are so fearful and afraid if the wrong person gets elected, like the sky is falling and people get so fired up and acting like one side is the Messiah. Like, Oh my goodness, this person has to get elected.
0: Go
2: ahead. Well, it's like this. I I just had a conversation yesterday on Facebook with, a friend that you probably know and that's what my point was you know i pick who i'm going to vote for based upon what i believe is the most that aligns with what i agree with which is what i agree with i see from a biblical perspective right i vote for that candidate even if it's third party and they're like well if you vote for third party then you might as well be voting for the other person and i'm like well if you take a look both of these people are pretty much going to be the same (laughs) but the point I made to him was where's my faith? Where's, where's Christ? I mean, if we're putting all of our faith in politics, we're not putting our faith in God.
0: We're in big trouble. If we're putting our faith in politics, because, because our political system is run by men, it's broken. And you know, and there's some things that work about it. There's a lot of things that don't work about it, you know, and and it's, it's going to have its errors. It's going to have its flaws. And it's always going to be that way. This side of eternity.
3: And one, one thing I see so often on Facebook, and I just feel like I know it's a little off topic, but as Christians, we love to throw in Scripture, sometimes out of context, without thinking. And if we're constantly worrying about it, and then if someone gets elected, oh, well, uses the people in authority, we have to understand that would also apply to Hitler and Nero and ISIS. Just because someone gets elected doesn't mean it's the providential will of God. God uses broken things. That's how he's always been. That's why he uses us.
0: So two things I want to say first, uh, uh, second here. First thing is, and you referenced this a minute ago, it's like it's always one party, and I get I get frustrated with the super political, super on board with my party, and my party is the right party, and whoever it is, I'm going to no longer be able to see any negative in them. Once they have that endorsement from my party, they now become the messiah and the other the other person invariably now becomes hitler <laughs> and if we didn't have hitler who would we be comparing all these people to nero yeah <laughs> i don't know
1: or stalin
3: yeah
0: yeah but whatever hitler is is the guy and it's like i've seen i've seen it both sides hitler compared to trump trump said this isn't this like hitler okay and then a Hillary Clinton said this. Isn't this compared to what Hitler said? Bernie Sanders said this. Isn't this? Everyone who's bad, everyone we don't agree with suddenly has become Hitler.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, the other problem with getting all excited about a particular candidate being Christian and promoting that person because I'm a Christian is that when that person falls or when that person is exposed as a phony or a liar or a cheat or something like that, a complete hypocrite, then... Everyone that has heard Christians saying, "Oh, they're a Christian. They're the best candidate," is going to say, "See, look, that's what Christians are like. They're all hypocrites." And it it just it makes another target.
2: But should we stop voting then for the person that we think is the right person? No, because I'm not saying that at all. That someday somebody might think we're a
1: hypocrite. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I don't think that we should. Say, "Oh, this person is a Christian; therefore, they're the best candidate. We need to pick the best person for the job." But in
2: my opinion, and I think in any other Christian's mind, a fellow Christian would be the best candidate. The, really, the, the, Do you the, think the, so? Because
0: I could oh. I could name a number of people that you would never want in political office. They the, might be Christians, but they would not be the best person to be president
3: of the United States. I guess for for me, the biggest thing is I mean, the the problem I have linked to this, and i I'm, I'm going to name one person, but First off, we have to understand that so much of political parties try to throw around these Christianese words to 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 get votes. Yeah, they're getting votes. But if we're just looking, well, that person says he's a Christian, Hitler claimed to be a Christian. Hitler said, as a Christian, I have no duty to be cheated, and I'm will fight for justice. Okay, it sounds great, but obviously what he thought was just is not right. Just because you claim to be a Christian...
0: It, it becomes slippery and tricky, and I mean, I totally, I mean, I get where you're coming from, Chad, and saying, look, if this guy, if if you had this guy who, or woman, who was in politics and had uh, this much experience, and I knew this much about a person, and then another person, um, and if you took two people who were pretty similar, and one was a believer and one was not a believer, and everything else seemed similar, okay, for me in that instance, I'd probably vote for the person who's a follower of Jesus Christ. That would certainly be a, a point that would push them further ahead, but it's difficult to know in today's age when we project things on candidates and we, don't, we really know nothing about them other than what the media tells us and they tell us about themselves. So it can be difficult to go, and you don't want to be too cynical, but someone's like, I'm a Christian, and you're like,
2: hmm, are you? Because I don't know. I see your point there, but I guess, I mean, if you think about it in general, politics has watered down faith because even Bill Clinton said he was a Southern Baptist. But he didn't reflect that morality. It's not about claiming to be a Christian because I'm pretty sure if you go inside of these um, um, voter guides, they list the church affiliation of every single one. Of course,
0: you have to because you pick up a certain number of votes. Right. I, I didn't vote for Bill Clinton, and there were certainly things he did, but the things he got caught on happened to be sexual, which I wasn't a fan of, but we've had presidents that were every bit as immoral. They just didn't do it sexually.
2: Well, I guess what my main point is, is that Jesus says you will know them by their fruits. The fruits, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for somebody who says they're a Christian in politics no more because that's been watered down.
1: I can't think of a single president or political figure that claimed to be a Christian that didn't have some significant flaw in some area. I, I just I don't think that you can I can't read your writing <laughs> I was just saying
0: every so absolutely we've had presidents who've come across as more moral or less moral than other presidents but it all depends on what you define as moral and so in America we're obsessed with sexuality and so we have a tendency to go wow Bill Clinton messed up sex, messed up sexually I'm sure no other president has or pastors or pastors
1: thomas jefferson had children with his slaves
0: and it doesn't make it okay that bill clinton did that it was not okay but we have a tendency to paint him as more immoral than other presidents
2: i don't think that's the point with bill clinton i think what we're totally avoiding and what doesn't get mentioned much because of the sexual sin it's the fact that he lied under oath and as president of the united states he broke the law but should we be saying an oath at all I mean, yeah.
3: that, according to Jesus, we shouldn't be saying oaths at all, right? And I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna wrap this because we're gonna go. This is a bunny trail. <laughs> this is, I don't. This is not with this podcast. This episode is not about that. So we're gonna wrap. I'm gonna put a bow on that because um, it's okay. Again, it's okay to disagree about these things. Yeah. The important thing, which is what our podcast is about, is to be able to have rational conversation, and it can even get a little heated and like, I don't agree with you, man. We, that's we, okay. That's where strength's found. That's fine, and that's how we learn: is by uh, encountering and considering opposing points of view. So we're going to wrap the Bill Clinton discussion up because that was kind of the bunny trail. <laughs> Thanks for playing, everybody. Um, <laughs> do you want? Do you want to say anything else about how believers should actually be responding? I mean, to all this political stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing is just we need to be leading by example. I mean, that's the whole point. Jesus on the ride over here we're talking about how Jesus taught and when he had the largest crowds he would typically say something offensive and weed it down and focus on his disciples who wanted to stick with him the people who are going to lead by example to have other people lead by example that's discipleship that is what we need to be doing we need to be impacting our communities daily instead of just once every four years with a single vote
0: Oh man, I sure I, I mean I certainly hope that as as followers of Christ, we are impacting people on a daily basis and not thinking, okay, every four years I get this shot and this is
3: how I'm gonna influence everybody in my nation because I get to vote. But unfortunately we do see a lot in the church that we statistically we aren't that much different from the world around us. From media to rates of every sort. We don't stand out. We're not a unique people. We are not the called-out ones, which what church means. Well,
0: and that's actually going to lead very well into my next point. And my next question is, so we talked about how should Christians be responding with the acknowledgment and recognition that the kingdom of God is our primary citizenship. How should we be, re- or how are we actually responding? As, and again, we're painting with a broad brush here. Not everyone's doing this. Of course. But we're, so what we're seeing more and more, how are we seeing in your everyday life and on social media, how are Christians responding? What are we actually doing, as opposed to what we
3: should be doing? For one, I, I think the number one is fear. We are just so fearful of the wrong candidate, or fearful of a certain people group, or f- fearful of whatever.
0: And I want to touch—I want to touch on something here a second. I want to throw this question out to everybody: Why is fear so seductive? Why do we give in so easily? and probably one of the number one commandments in the entire Bible is do not fear. Why? Jesus, I, I, I saw this the other day. I think someone, I don't know who has time to do this sort of thing, but apparently somebody counted the number of times that it says do not fear in the Bible, and it was they said it was 365, which is one for every day of the year.
2: They probably got a search engine that you can do that
0: with. <laughs> yeah, probably. but jesus continually in the bible repeatedly the messages don't be afraid and what's our go-to emotion when something comes up that we don't know what to do with
3: i think i mean i think it is the telltale of the christian i mean of the human condition we are fearful we don't easily put our trust in god so god has to remind us fear not trust me fear not trust me
0: yeah so we just by default when we run up against something we don't understand and we actually had a podcast already which we've not released but we've recorded about fear and about why fear it's just it's our default when you're in the middle of the night and you hear a noise what's the first thing you do i'm freaked out like oh no someone's coming to get me no, probably not. It's probably just your house creaking, but it's interesting how we so easily go to that fear default. So what are what are some other ways that we're responding?
3: Not to like quote uh, Star Wars or something, but I mean we we feel <laughs> fearful, we are fearful. It does lead to anger and fear <clears throat> leads to anger. Mm. Anger leads to hate. Mm. I think your Yoda's better than mine. Good could, could be. <laughs> Sorry. Fear, anger, hate. I mean division I think is one of the worst ones. It, we're so quick to divide. And draw a line in the sand. Are you in or are you out?
0: We love the in or out
3: conversation, do we not? Boxes and labels.
0: We know. Yeah, talk a bit about that because that's going to be a bit more we're going to talk about uh, in this podcast, in this episode. Talk about Uh, boxes.
3: I mean, you look at the amazing beauty of the gospel. You see how Jesus tore down the dividing walls of hostility. There's no Jew or Greek or slave or free, male or female. We are one people. Now, that doesn't mean we're all the same. There are different members of one body. We're all supposed to be working together. One of the things I told Dave earlier today, is, just, if you think about Peter the zealot and Matthew the tax collector, those two would not have agreed on very much, if anything at all. But the fact is their allegiance and their hope and their faith doesn't reside in being a zealot or being a tax collector or a previous tax collector.
0: Because when you boiled it down... Because, you know, it specifically said that I think it was Simon, uh, there was a different Simon, It was a zealot, and uh, certainly Matthew was a tax collector, and you had all these different, uh, so much variety, even with the disciples, that no one would have picked them. I mean, those first few weeks must have been nuts following Jesus, because these guys were probably at each other's throats all the time. Right?
3: Maybe that's why he focused on loving your enemies so much. <laughs> Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> hey, he was probably, because the
0: first thing he, one of the first things he did was the Sermon on the Mount, and he was probably talking to his disciples as much as anyone. Look, I know you guys think you're enemies, but if you peel it back, you've all been waiting for the Messiah. Yeah you've all been waiting for the one who's going to make a restoration and make all things whole and complete. So even in the different political parties and the campaigns and the planks and the, the issues that we take stances on, at the bottom line of when you peel it back, I think we all want the same thing. I think we're just there's different ways we, we disagree vehemently on how we're going to get those things, but ultimately I think everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be safe. Everyone wants to be able to 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 love their loved ones and be okay at the end of the day.
3: And I, I think that's one of the things that the division is so dangerous with. We, when we think that everything, everybody needs to think and act just like us, there's no strength in that. There's no strength in being all the same. I mean, you think about like a fabric that's holed together with all these threads. If all the threads went the exact same direction, it wouldn't be a piece of cloth. It would fall apart. It would. It Versus, could hold nothing. It, it, could, would. it could cover nothing. Versus if they intersect, you have all these points of contrast, and that is where strength is found. What if we, as the body of Christ, were united when we shouldn't be? When we can't stand each other's political views, but we work together for the common good.
0: Because even going back into your, your tapestry or your cloth analogy, that friction is what creates the tension and the strength is in the tension and the friction of those different strands running crossways from each other.
3: Yeah, and like we talked earlier, like your last sermon last Sunday, I mean, what did Jesus say when he said, the world will know that God sent me by us being one?
0: It's John 17, I think it's verses 22, 23, and that was the, the the main point of my message that I preached Sunday was, and I don't get to preach every Sunday, but I got to do a couple at Solomon's porch, and that, that verse when I was doing the study blew me away because Jesus said his prayer, his final prayer in front of his disciples was, Father, help them to be one like you and I are one, because when they're one with each other like you and I are one, then the world's going to go, Jesus really is the Son of God, and it's in a huge point of unity, and we, it's so dangerous to be so divisive and so angry with each other when Jesus' last prayer was, may they be one as Father, you the Son, you the Father, the Holy Spirit, and me the Son.
3: May they be one the way we've been one forever. I mean, think about how many churches and denominations we have, even just in Grand Rapids. And not saying that all denominations are bad. There are different traditions, maybe different families. You want to look at it positively, but look at all the divisions we have but how do we work together? Do we work together with the church next door? We have to. We have but We to. don't. And that's no. the sad thing. And we have to. We have to get a vision of the gospel that's bigger than our tiny little agenda. Exactly.
1: So, going back to finding our identity in the kingdom of God, finding our identity in Christ rather than, than in any nation or political party or association with any other human. If, we, if our identity is in God, we can do that.
3: We're brothers and sisters, and that means we come together. I mean, I remember hearing an illustration of, think about a healthy family at the table. You can have a disagreement. You can drive each other nuts. You can argue. You can do whatever. But at the end of the day, you're still a family. That is the picture versus, no, I don't like you. I'm going to go to my room, and you go to yours, and we all divide. That's... If we all separate, right. we're not uh, acting as a family.
0: The thing we have to remember to, to kind of say what, to agree with what Carol was saying is that when we, when we have to remember whose citizenship we are primarily of, and that means that the words that Jesus spoke take precedence over any other words that anyone else has spoke, including the words in the Constitution. So the words that Christ spoke have to have more importance than what's spoken in the Constitution. And it doesn't mean what was written in the Constitution was bad, but if there's a point of conflict between what an American point of view is or was in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights or whatever and the Word of God, what's in the Word of God has to be more important to us.
3: But we can also deal with a a conflict, though, because the kingdom of man or the kingdom of America or just whatever you want to call it, you have America. They believe this is the best set of values that are going to run here, that can contrast the kingdom of God. We are called to live at different principles than the kingdom of man is to.
0: We. I want to talk for a minute about the different types of boxes that we find ourselves in, and we actually self-select our boxes. The we put ourselves in our own boxes. So you have the you have the one uh, person who says, and Carol's already referenced it. I'm abstaining. I'm out. The values of these people I'm seeing, and actually, a lot of people have felt this for a long way. I don't see a candidate that co- even comes close to my belief system. So I'm out. I'm done. I'm not of this kingdom anyway. So I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to be a part of it. And then you've got the person who says, I'm an American. I'm blessed to be an American. God has put me in this. We're the greatest nation in the world absolutely, I have the right to vote, and every person should and must
3: vote. And you're not an American if you don't vote.
0: Exactly, sure, and that's a vote. But in the other box, they're saying, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't vote at all. And the other guy's saying, well, if you were really a Christian, you would vote because you don't love Jesus because you don't vote.
3: And we define a person by one single characteristic versus understanding their story of, okay, how did you arrive at this decision? Why? and understanding so we can gain strength even if we don't even if we don't agree we can come together and learn from each other.
0: And another box that people put themselves in that I want to talk about is people say this issue and then they'll name an issue like let's say abortion or let's say gay marriage or let's say whatever. You could say I have this issue and that issue is the issue that's on God's heart. And if you don't vote for the candidate who supports or is against this issue, my issue, you are all now wrong and I'm right because you've got to vote the way I think you should all be voting and this should be everyone's primary issue. That's another box we put ourselves in. And the problem is is what is the, what is the number one thing a box is even designed to do? Separate. Separate and contain and cause division, right? And, and cause something to be apart from everything else. And I want to read a, uh, a quote. This is actually a post from one of my Facebook friends. I'm not going to say this guy's name because he, he's a good guy, but I want to talk about how dangerous this quote is. And this, this quote really made me kind of mad. It upset me. Um, it says this, and I quote, To all you who call yourself Christian and you vote the Democratic Party have just voted for things that go against the teachings of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ being capitalized. You certainly won't like what I say next, but shame on you. The Bible is very clear how father against son, brother against sister, mother against daughter, and so on. I believe the realm of politics is one way of proving this. Now having said this, the beauty is Jesus still loves you, and so do I, but I am praying God get a hold of your heart and you would turn back to a moral stance that would please our Savior.
1: It's frustrating to me that people that are so outspoken about things like that struggle so much with the English language.
0: <laughs> oh. Boom! Where <Rabbit> <laughs> it drop. is? This mic drop. Walk away. <laughs> um, and I did not read that in order. Well, maybe I did read it to cast a little dispersion on them, and I apologize for that. But I did read it the way they wrote it, and that isn't necessarily a sign of diminished intelligence. But it is. It does seem to go hand in hand sometimes. To I'm defend
3: sorry. to defend him a little bit, I sometimes spell horrible. Or <laughs> mistype when I get passionate. But the, the
0: main point, <laughs> the, let's talk about why that's such a dangerous and divisive uh, post on Facebook by someone who very much believes and is a follower of Jesus Christ.
3: I mean, the, the, the hardest thing about that is you can tell he has passion and he really does believe what he's saying is true. But he has to understand that other people have arrived at their decision not without thought. They have thought about this. They believe what they're doing is right. And it's more than a single topic or a couple topics because you can have people on both sides of the fence or the aisle who say, I don't understand how you can possibly vote this way. And from their perspective, what they see is correct. So rather than the, the harm is we're labeling people. We are assigning almost if you're saved or not based on a single vote once every four years.
2: I refuse to associate myself with a particular political party. I will admit I'm conservative based no on no way. Yeah, political philosophy, I guess you would say. I'm conservative. But one thing that I have learned just through podcasts and through pe- speaking with people who are minorities the reason why African Americans, and this is not a racist thing the reason why african-americans tend to flock towards the democratic party is because they feel oppressed and they feel they feel that the democratic party would provide them the best opportunities but where on the other hand you've got people like me i'm dead set against abortion and i can't vote for somebody who's in favor of abortion that's me that's the conclusion i came to but they my point is is they're here you've got two people Two different people who came to the same, they have two different perspectives and came to a conclusion to vote for a different party. Does that make one person wrong and the other person right? No. They're they're voting for what affects them the most.
0: Exactly. And I would, uh, the only caveat I would throw in what you're saying is I do believe that African Americans are still oppressed in a large in a mass way that doesn't mean every single African-American person is oppressed, but racism is still a thing. It's still alive and well in America and in the world. There's no doubt about it. So I just add that to that. Um, but you're right. I mean, what we want to do, and I don't know why we love to do this so much. It's the whole in out power conversation. Who's in power, who's out power. We like to take the boxes and we like to tape them shut. We'll self select our boxes, right? Because for you, and I know um, my younger sister for the most part is a single issue voter. She votes on abortion. And in her mind, if you are against abortion, no Christian could ever vote for someone who is for abortion. It doesn't compute in her brain.
3: And and honestly, that's how I've been my whole life. My whole background, that is the only issue that mattered. And I can honestly say I've always voted Republican my whole life. Me too. But the last couple of years, it's like it's not the only thing. And by voting this way, I'm also voting for other things I don't agree with. And for me... That's the wrestle, because honestly, neither party is pro-life. Neither side is truly pro-life. Not completely, anyway.
1: No, and it's not just unborn children whose lives matter, because the Republican Party is well-known for being big on defense spending and on military intervention in other countries, and in bombing civilians in other countries. Torture, guns... You science. know, oh. if we really value life the way God values life, we wouldn't support that either. I'd
2: be careful with that though, because I won't say that our military specifically says civilian bombings because but we I bom- don't believe our military does. Do but you we- have
1: any idea how many civilians have been killed since that's a different story. I mean,
2: yes, they're there, yeah, they get killed, but we spent okay, it for here a half hour killed Here we go. <laughs> wrapping up this bunny trail.
0: This is not what this episode's about. I I, I, I respect you. I respect both your opinions, and, and again, this is the point. We can have these disagreements. We're still all followers of Jesus Christ, yeah. right? Yeah. And we can, get, we can get a little angry with each other and go, no, you're wrong, and here's the facts, and you don't know what you're talking about. No, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we still love each other at the end of the day and go, you know what? I see where you're coming from. And that's the whole point of this is can you go. So you, Chad, you have this view on abortion. Um, Carol, you've got this view on the military. And the thing is, is you can go and say, I now have defined this person by this viewpoint. And now I've boxed and labeled them and shipped them off somewhere because I've got new use for them I, because I don't agree with them.
2: And what happens in that is you don't know the story that led that person to that viewpoint. Yeah. Which is kind of what my point was, is now I see that you've got these people who are affected this way and that's why they vote that way. I've been affected a certain way and this is why I vote that way. I can't look at that person anymore in a negative light because now I see where they're coming from. And I see why they're doing what they're doing in yeah. spite of the fact that it's different than what I would do.
3: Yeah. And, and that, that whole, the whole labeling, I mean, it does ignore the person, it ignores their story. It shuts down the conversation relationship that we could have learned from and we could have benefited from if we were actually trying to figure this out together. And that's, and again, you're right. We have to look
0: at somebody and go, you know what, we could all four of us sit down, and even in this podcast, we've like, there's a couple of things that have come up we don't agree on, right? And and, and instead of going, I am now going to sever my friendship with you because you felt this way about this thing, and we don't agree, so you're wrong and I'm right, because obviously I'm on Jesus' side, so you're (laughs) You're not on on Jesus'. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's right. You are now Antichrist, which is the other fun thing, Christians. That's that word Christians like to throw around during election time. Here's you're the Antichrist, you're the Antichrist, you're for evil, and I'm gonna pray
2: for you because you're obviously wrong. <laughs> I've heard that before
1: too. I still love you, Chad.
2: No. Oh. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to we have to uh, get to the
0: point That was where, a joke, again, by the way. We know. But we have to get to the point where we are not judging somebody We cannot and never can judge the quality and depths of someone's faith by their political stance on a certain issue or by a post they put on Facebook. Let's stop pretending we know who someone is because of what they put on Facebook in a certain day where maybe they're not at their best. And now we feel like, oh, that guy's a jerk and I'm going to – and I'll admit I've done that. I blocked the guy who is – in the Detroit Lions after the Green Bay beat them. I <laughs> blocked that guy and I unfriended him because I was so mad because the, the Green Bay obviously stole that game with the help of the refs. And so I was angry enough. So when you have your righteous cause like that, then it's okay.
3: It's Where's it's your allegiance, uh, Dave? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it certainly shouldn't be the Detroit Lions. But I was mad! And it's amazing how angry we can get when people take a different viewpoint even when it's something and and politics aren't silly politics are important but we can be silly silly things like football can divide us right (laughs) so
2: I mean it could be worse it could be like in Europe where they trample and kill people because their soccer team did not win
0: that's true I mean I know Carol's a big big proponent of Europe that's one place where we've got it a little better we normally aren't killing each other at football games we just kill each
3: other with guns (laughs) <laughs> we, we already
0: had that, We already had that podcast. You weren't here for that. Um, so any last thoughts, anything you guys want to say to kind of wrap before we uh, close this episode out?
3: For me, I, I just think that for us as Christians, we need to lead by example. We need to look for ways to be peacemakers and facilitate a dialogue that crosses divisive lines. We need to look for ways that we can unite even with people we don't agree with, because that unity is what's going to show the world that God sent jesus all right well I was giving
0: I, that was yeah, good that was a good conclusion to me that's a great conclusion daniel i Thanks. agree with you man um we thank you for listening again we were trying to stimulate rational conversation and we invite you to consider other people's viewpoints instead of just shutting them down and boxing them up and taping that box shut sit down and listen to someone Figure out what their story is. Figure out where they're coming from. Why do they have this thought? Why are they so strong about it? What happened to them? Because there's nothing people love more to do than to share their story with other people and then to hear that their story matters. Exactly. And that's huge. So again, we thank you so much for listening to another edition of An Open Letter. And if you would like to get in contact with us, and we would love to hear from you, and we need to hear from you, because we want to make sure this podcast is getting better as we go along. So we want to hear the things you like. We want to hear the things that you don't like. So please contact us on our Facebook page. It is an open letter. Please like the page. We're very soon going to be on iTunes and have a logo and everything. So that's very exciting. We also have an email address, which is an open letter to you at gmail.com. And that is the number two in the letter U an open letter to you at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening.